you're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 24 of the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. You are listening to What Are Play Schemes and Why Are They Important? Have you ever heard of play schemes before? If you're wondering why young children play certain ways and repeat those actions over and over again, play schemes might just be the culprit. And understanding play schemes not only helps us understand the development of our young children, but it also helps us see why some of those behaviors are happening. And when we understand the why, it's easier to help support children rather than to just punish. So today we're going to jump into what play schemes are, the nine different types of play schemes, and how we can support children who are displaying these schemes. So let's start with what are play schemes? Well, simply put, play schemes are the urges that children have to do things in play, and they often repeat them. It's kind of like a sequence, and play schemes can be interconnected with other actions during play. Now, here's the really important part to understand, that these actions are considered uncontrollable urges. So instead of trying to stop some of these actions, we can lean into them. We can help children act on these urges in positive ways, and we can also use these urges to help children explore and learn more. Today, we're going to focus on nine types of play schemes, and each is going to have an example and talk about why that play scheme is important. Just an FYI, these nine are in no particular order, but we are gonna go ahead and jump into number one with connection. And connection meaning joining things together. So this might look like connecting train tracks, gluing items together, putting together puzzles, opening and closing items, tying, buckling, The connection play schema also can look like disconnecting and deconstructing what they've connected. So if you've ever seen a child try to tie their two shoelaces together, or maybe you have children in your class that love to glue things together, or I'm sure you've seen the urge children have to knock over a tower, whether or not it's theirs, when we see these actions, we are seeing the connection schema in action. So it's important for us to support it. And we can do that by providing materials that children can connect and disconnect in a safe way. So blocks, obviously, train tracks, glue, loose items to glue, string, beads, loose parts are awesome, tinker trays, lids with matching containers, puzzles, the dressing boards that have like the zipping and the buttoning and the tying on them are also great materials for the connection schema. And a lot of these things we already have in our classroom. And this just shows us how important some of the materials that we put in our classroom are because they can be supporting these schemas. And so um, if you already have most of these in there, awesome. Now we can take it a little step further. And when we are observing children's play, 
we can start infusing comments to help children learn new vocabulary around that schema. So if you're seeing them build or if you're seeing them join things together, say something, right? I love the way you joined these two bridges together. That was such a smart idea. Or I I see that you love to deconstruct it. You love to take it apart. And so kind of putting those vocabulary words in there, help them start learning these things, but also being supportive of the schema that they are in. So connection, meaning joining things together, but also meaning to take them apart. The second schema we are going to look at is transforming. This is changing in appearance or substance. So what this might look like would be children mixing together two different substances, or it could look like children transforming their own appearance through dress up or face paint. So if you've ever put sand and water together at the sensory tub, you know that quickly it is going to get mixed. This is that schema. And if you also have children that are interested in playing dress up or they love to paint their face or draw on their skin, you may also have children displaying this transforming schema. So if it's already something that they're interested in, how can we just go ahead and support them? Well, we can provide materials that children can mix without creating a lot of issue, right? Colored water and cups and pipettes make a great activity for children to explore that urge to mix because you're not wasting a lot of material when just using the colored water. You could also allow for some paints to be mixed. We do this sometimes when I put paint in the tray and everybody has had a turn to use it how they wish, then we decide that it's mixing time. So anybody that wants to come over and mix the colors and experiment with what that does on their paper, awesome. We also have times where we just mix all the time. And this is always a well-loved activity because they just love mixing. Also, be sure to provide opportunities for like baking or cooking, even if it's just making Play-Doh or goop in the classroom, them seeing how we're mixing things together for them to transform into a different substance is really what this scheme is all about. And don't forget to get out the dress-up clothes because they also sometimes are interested in transforming themselves. All right, number three, the enclosing schema containing things. That's what this is all about, how to contain things. This might look like hiding objects or hiding themselves in boxes or cabinets or small spaces. It might also look like building enclosures around themselves or maybe the things that they create. Some real life examples here. If you've ever seen a child hide under an empty box, a lot of us have seen that. Maybe you've seen children build a fence out of blocks around either themselves or the toys that they're playing with. Or maybe you've seen a child draw a circle or border around their art. If we're seeing these actions, we're seeing the enclosing schema in action. We see a lot of toddlers do this when they love to pull all the Tupperware out of the Tupperware cabinet and hide inside. So how can we support children in this schema? We can provide materials that children can create enclosures for with toys, like such as small animals, a variety of different types of blocks, loose parts, cups, containers with lids, anything they can use to enclose their toys. 
We can also provide materials where children can enclose themselves in a safe way. So big cardboard boxes, laundry baskets, tents, tunnels, empty cabinets. And when we're observing children's play, we can really teach some new vocabulary words such as border or boundary, contain or enclose, surround or around, cover, inside. I mean, so many wonderful things that we can bring to these children in the way of vocabulary and materials to help them in supporting this schema. Number four, the orientation schema, looking at the world in various perspectives. So you know those kiddos who love to be upside down all the time? (laughs) This is why. This might look like going up high, moving their bodies in a different way to give them a different perspective, putting their heads between their legs upside down to get a different perspective, laying upside down. Also, just any way that they can look at objects in different perspectives. For this schema, it's important that children have access to outside play, places to climb, places to explore. And we also can support this by providing children with objects that help them explore different perspectives, such as mirrors or binoculars, telescopes, magnifying glasses. And don't forget some of those awesome vocabulary words that you can use when you see this orientation schema, like view or angle, perspective, spin, twist, roll, upside down, all these amazing words that we can be using. We're on to number five, transporting. How things move from place to place. So the transporting schema might look like carrying objects around in bags, pockets, hands, or other containers. It may look like collecting things or piling things up in a special place. I remember my own toddlers doing this extensively, just wanting to put all of the things in one special place. I also see it now with my preschoolers. Anytime I give them a bag or a purse or a backpack for pretend play, it is immediately filled up so that they can carry the things from place to place. So if you have kiddos that fill their pockets with rocks and insist on bringing them home, you probably have some kiddos in the transporting schema. And we can support this by providing materials to help children transport things. Bags, shopping carts, purses, backpacks, wagons, buckets are great outside. Construction toys like scoopers or dump trucks that go ahead and hold the things for them are all great transporters. And then we can provide small items like sand, dirt, play food, or anything else that they can fill the transporter with. Also, sometimes children like to transport themselves in this schema. So bikes, scooters, big wagons, any ride-on toys that support the transportation of themselves. Another easy activity that might lend itself well during this schema is using tweezers or eyedroppers to transfer things. So maybe they're transferring puffballs from one cup to another. If they're in the transporting schema, this might be very enticing to them. Let's move on to number six, rotation, how things turn and spin. So this might look like spinning items or spinning themselves in circles, twisting things or loving things that roll. We've all seen children that love to spin around and around in an office chair, which just makes me sick. But we've also seen those children love anything with wheels. 
And if we have children that love twisting and spinning knobs, then we can be pretty confident that we're seeing the rotation schema in action. And to support this, we can provide materials like tops, knobs on toys, nuts and bolts, pinwheels are fun. Um, also be sure children have a variety of objects that have wheels so they can both ride on them and play with them. Balls are also a great choice, as well as cooking utensils, such as like rolling pins, bowls, whisks that they can um, rotate inside the bowl. Basically, anything that rotates is fantastic for the rotation schema. Number seven, positioning. Arranging things in a variety of ways. So this might look like lining up objects, seeing lots of children line things up. This is what we're seeing. Or maybe they have a very strong preference about how things or people are placed. They might enjoy grouping objects like sorting, and they might enjoy patterning. If you've ever seen a child take something like a set of sorting bears and line them up, or maybe you've observed a child get upset when a child they're playing with doesn't follow the pattern they established when lining those toys up, we are seeing that want for a certain order in a certain position because of the positioning schema. So we can go ahead and support that by providing children with things they can order and sort, like sorting bears or colored peg people, table scatters, small blocks, buttons, loose parts. We can add plastic cups for stacking. We can add beads and strings to pattern. We can play games for matching and sorting, all while supporting the positioning schema. All right, we're up to number eight, enveloping, how objects can be hidden. So enveloping might look like wrapping up items with blankets or whatever they can find, Um, burying their hands in the sand so that it is hidden, nesting items inside other items, and maybe even hiding themselves under a blanket. So if you've ever seen a child that paints the entire paper in paint, they're enveloping. They're wanting to envelope that whole paper and paint. Maybe they love to wrap up toys inside their blankets or hide things in the sand. That is all the enveloping schema in action. To support enveloping, we can provide materials that children can nest, like nesting dolls or nesting blocks. We can also provide safe materials for children to wrap things inside, like small blankets or play silks, which are, you know, they can easily breathe through them so they're safer. We can provide small items for hiding inside the sensory tub, like treasure and things like that they can hide inside the sand. And don't forget some awesome vocabulary that can be used with this enveloping schema, like hiding, conceal, bury, envelope, nest, cover, wrap, all are great words we can expose our children to. And now the last schema, trajectory, how things move and respond. So if you see toys flying randomly across your classroom and you're wondering, what in the world, why are they throwing toys? This is why. (laughs) It's the urge to throw objects, drop objects, roll objects, and observe how they propel. You know that game that babies love to play where they constantly drop items from their high chair? Yep, this is why. And if you have children that run, jump, and throw themselves through the air, you are probably seeing that trajectory schema in action. And while it can be frustrating that there are things flying across the room because it's not safe, 
or that children hurl themselves through space because it's not safe. It's also important that we understand that the urge to see and feel how these things propel is very natural. And we can provide safe materials that children can throw, such as soft balls or paper airplanes. Balloons are great. We can also provide them with ramps and marble runs and pounding toys and putting balls on a parachute to see what happens. Maybe we'll do bowling type games or rockets or kites or homemade catapults. I mean, there's so many amazing things that we can provide for children to help them see how things propel and still keep everything safe. We also need to be providing some reasonable, risky play for children, for jumping off equipment, jumping on small trampolines, going down slides, giving them that opportunity to propel their bodies through space in certain ways that are also reasonable risks. By understanding these urges, we can set up activities and opportunities for children to complete these schema in ways that are safe for everybody. We can also take this knowledge and use it in a way to help us as a planner of the environment and activities. We can encourage learning through actions children may already have the urge to do. For example, since we know through the trajectory schema that some children might be having that urge to see how things move through space, we could provide fun and safe ways to support this. So we could play keep the balloon off the ground game and add some math in by counting how many times the balloon is popped up into the air before it touches the ground. Or we could experiment with homemade catapults and learn about measurement to see how force affects that motion and how far our object is catapulted. So all in all, after focusing on the nine schema, it's easier for us as educators to see that some of the things that children in our care do is a natural urge and not not necessarily a blatant misbehavior. I hope you found some knowledge in this episode. I really enjoyed putting it all together for you because I think it is so incredibly important that we recognize the natural urges of children and use them to our advantage. So if you are enjoying the podcast, I would love it if you would consider leaving a review. Not only would I love to hear your feedback, but it also helps other teachers like you vet this podcast as helpful. So that would be amazing. All right, y'all have a fantastic rest of your day and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely.